The readings from Genesis 11, verses 27 to 32. Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah fathered Abram, Nahor and Haran, and Haran fathered Lot. Haran died in the presence of his father Terah in the land of his kindred in Ur of the Chaldeans. And Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarai was barren, she had no child. Terah took Abram his son, and Lot the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife. And they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Great. If you'd like to keep that passage open in front of you, and we'll look at it together. And as we do that, let's pray and ask for God's help. Our Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the time that we can spend in it now. We pray that as we do, that your spirit would be at work in our midst, that you would apply uh, these truths to our hearts, that we would be more aware of who you are and uh, what you have to say to us as we spend time here now. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I wonder if you are someone who is in touch with their family roots. Uh, If you take a keen interest in uh, looking into where you are from, uh, researching family trees is big business online. Uh, the BBC show, Who Do You Think You Are?, where celebrities uh, delve into uh, their family trees and, and discover uh, who came before them, I think has been running for about 20 seasons. And that's because lots of people are fascinated by their origins. Uh, when we delve into our family history, who knows what we might find, uh, find out about those who've gone before us. Uh, my brother, uh, is, uh, some of you will know, is a football manager, and he's recently taken a job uh, as a national team uh, coach of a tiny Caribbean island. Uh, they're one of the worst teams in the world, literally, and uh, they've been given lots of money by the football governing body FIFA to try and improve their ranking. And uh, one of their strategies for doing that is to go out and try and find players Uh, who have maybe never heard of the island or have never been to the island, uh, but who have parents or grandparents uh, who have some connection uh, to that island. Uh, And then to persuade those players, many of them playing in the lower leagues in uh, in the UK, uh, to to fulfill their international ambitions by going and and playing for this island on a a first-class flight uh, to stay in a nice hotel on this beautiful Caribbean island in the middle of winter. Uh, Sometimes it pays to explore your family history. Uh, But if you're a Christian, I wonder how aware are you of your spiritual ancestors? What do you know about the faith that you have originated from? Over the next few months, we're going to be taking some time to explore our roots by studying the life of someone who is described by the early church leader Paul in the book of Romans as our spiritual forefather. Abraham is a figure of huge significance 
in the Bible. He is the person that every Christian can chart their origins to. The promises that God made to Abraham set him and his descendants apart from the, the rest of the human race as God's special covenant people. And those covenant promises have eternal significance for all of God's people. They are promises that are at the heart of our faith and ought to shape the way that we live and the way that we relate to God. So there is much that we can learn from and benefit from a study of Abraham. And today we're going to begin by going right back to the beginning. The passage that, that Lisa read to us introduces us to Abraham by giving us a, a, a snapshot of his family tree. And that family tree tells us something very significant uh, about Abraham's life before God called him and entered into a covenant with him. Now, you might be tempted to think that, that for God to choose to enter into a covenant relationship with Abraham over anybody else, that there must have been something pretty special about Abraham. After all, a covenant was a binding commitment. It was a relationship that was marked by promises. Now, our most obvious example of that would be uh, marriage, where a man and a woman commit themselves to one another by making promises to one another. When it comes to marrying someone, it's not something that, that we enter into lightly, and that's because of the binding nature of those promises. And so we might think that, that God took time to carefully select the best person that he could find. Think about it. If, if it was up to you, who would you choose to be the father of the faith, the one who God would work out his eternal purposes through? Well, surely it would be someone who had all the characteristics of a great leader, someone with a clean record, with no skeletons in the closet, a fine, upstanding member of the community who had nothing to be ashamed of, someone who was 99% of the way there, uh, and he just needed a little push to respond to God's call. Well, Abraham, the father of our faith, he was none of those things. How do we know that? Well, it's all revealed in his family tree. If you look with me at verse 27, now these are the generations of Terah. Terah fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran fathered Lot. Haran died in the presence of his father Terah in the land of his kindred in Ur of the Chaldeans. And Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Iscah. Now, notice at this point, our father Abraham, he was actually named Abram. And that reveals something about this guy, uh, about who he was before God called him. Abram was a native of Ur of the Chaldeans. And the people of Ur, they were not followers of God. They were moon worshippers. Ur was the center of lunar religion. And the people of Ur worshipped the moon god Sin. Abraham's father, Terah's name, was related to the word Yarea, which means moon. And Abraham's wife Sarai in Akkadian was Saratu, 
which was the name of the moon god's sin's wife. So this great father of the faith, the one through whom God would choose to work out his eternal covenant promises, he started out a million miles from God. I mean, he, he literally worshipped a God called sin. But it gets even worse. Uh, on the form of worship that these, these moon pagans engaged in, Kent Hughes comments, the city was dominated by a massive three-staged ziggurat built by Urnamu during the beginning of the second millennium BC. Each stage was colored distinctively, with the top level bearing the silver one-roomed shrine to Nana, the moon god. The royal cemetery reveals that ritual burials were sealed with the horrors of human sacrifice. As a moon worshiper, Abraham may well have witnessed the dark side of moon worship at the silver room of Nana. Now, we know from Genesis chapter 12, verse 4, that Abraham was 75 years old when he responded to God's call and left Haran. That means that he was an older man when he was still engaging in pagan worship in Ur. We shouldn't kid ourselves. Before God called him, Abraham was caught up in some pretty dark stuff. He already had a lifetime's worth of pagan worship and all that entailed behind him. But not only that, we learn later in the Abraham story that his wife Sarai was really his half-sister. So mixed in with his pagan moon worship was an incestuous marriage to his half-sister. Let's dispel any myth that God called Abraham because of something, anything virtuous in him. And yet we know from Genesis chapter 15, verse 7, that it was in the midst of that deep darkness, uh, that sin in her, that God called Abraham to be his. It was while he was immersed in all that stuff that he heard God's call on his life. Now, what do we do with all that? Maybe you find the thought of our father of the faith having a bit of a sketchy past, maybe you find that a bit shocking. But when you think about it, it's actually incredibly encouraging. That even when we go right back to the very beginning of our faith, we see God's grace at work in the lives of sin worshippers. That God could have chosen anyone to enter into a covenant relationship with. And no doubt to us, there would be many that would have been far more deserving. And yet he chose to call an incestuous pagan moon worshiper. And he chose to commit himself to him in the deepest covenant relationship. Isn't that incredible? We shouldn't let that wash over us. When we delve into our Christian family history, we see at the very roots of that family tree that there is no sin, no shame, no past that is beyond the reach of God's grace. Our sin may go deep, but God's grace goes deeper still. Like God's call on Abraham's life, we are completely undeserving of God's grace, and yet in Christ, He gives it to us freely. So, Abraham's beginnings display the wonder of God's grace, a theme that we will see again and again as we go through this life of Abraham. 
But his beginnings, they also point to the extent of Abraham's faith. If you look with me at verse 30, now Sarai was barren. She had no child. Verse 30 is the first clue in the story of what's to come, of how God uh, miraculously works out his purposes for his people through the birth of a child. Abraham's faith in God's promises in the face of seemingly insurmountable odds will be a key theme in this story. And here we get a hint of what's to come. Uh, But if we think for a moment of Abraham's situation in Ur when God called him, we get a sense of the level of trust that he showed. Uh, As we've already seen, when God called him, Abraham was an older man. He He was a pagan. Judging from what we learn about him as the story goes on, uh, he was also a man of means, so he was no doubt a significant figure. In his society, he would have been settled. He would have had a a comfortable life. And when the call from God came, it came to him and him alone. To respond to that call meant stepping out from everything that he knew. It meant leaving behind his pagan idolatry. It meant turning his back on his culture, his comfort, and stepping into a world of uncertainty. Now, imagine what that would involve. Imagine the the ridicule. Imagine the condemnation, the strain that that would have put on family relationships, the rejection from friends, the misunderstanding. What are you on about, Abraham? You heard the voice of some some foreign god, and you're leaving us. You're disowning your moon gods. What are you saying, Abraham? Are you saying our beliefs are wrong? How judgmental of you. Sorry, Abraham, we're canceling your your membership of the Moonwalkers Society. We've met, we've discussed it, and and we've, we've decided that we just can't be having people with those kind of views in our club. To respond to God's call on his life, there was a huge cost to Abraham. And yet, he was willing to count that cost and obey the call. It's a tremendous demonstration of faith and obedience that Abraham displayed. And while we might not be asked to make the same sacrifices that Abraham did, as his descendants in the faith, we too have to count the cost of obedience to God's call in our lives. In in Matthew 16, verse 24, Jesus said, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. There is a cost to obedience. That cost will be different for everyone, but there's always a cost. To obey God means giving up our right to call the shots, and having faith that God knows better than we do. I wonder what might obedience to God look like in your life right now? Is there an area where you are holding back, where you're not trusting that He knows best? Our failure to obey ultimately arises from believing the lie that obedience to God will somehow be to our detriment in the long run that God ultimately is not concerned for what's best for us. But true faith will look beyond any present difficulties and trust that God will keep His promises to His people. 
In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, the author tells us that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And that's the kind of faith that Abraham displayed. In verse 8 of Hebrews 11, we read, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Abraham was able to obey at great personal cost because he believed God's promises to him. He didn't blindly hope for the best. No, he was sure that what God said to him was true, and so he obeyed. He showed great faith. But maybe as we consider our own faith, maybe we're aware that it all feels a little bit weak, a bit feeble. Maybe we're prone to fear. Maybe we, we quickly forget God's promises and we fail to rest in them. And we might think that, that if, if strong faith is a prerequisite to answering God's call, well then maybe we are not part of the same family of Father Abraham. Well, as we'll see as we go through this series, Abraham was a man of faith, but he was also someone whose faith wavered along the way. He sometimes acted out of fear, and he had to learn some hard lessons. But ultimately, his faith in God's promises remained, and that was because God was faithful to his covenant with Abraham. You see, it's not so much the strength of our faith, but who our faith is in that matters. And we have far more reason than Abraham did to put our faith in the covenant promises of God. Abraham believed a future promise, a promise of blessing, a promise of a land, a promise of a special covenant relationship with God. And he had to step forward in faith before any of those promises were fulfilled. But we have the privilege of looking back. Not only the way that, that God uh, fulfilled those promises to Abraham, but also on the unfolding story of the Bible, where we, we see the way in which those promises take on a deeper and greater meaning until they find their ultimate fulfillment in Jesus. Abraham obeyed despite not knowing how those promises would take shape. But we can obey knowing that in Jesus, those promises have been fulfilled. It's faith in Jesus that makes us true children of Father Abraham, the man of faith. It's through faith in Jesus, God's promised one, that the blessing of an intimate covenant relationship with our Heavenly Father can be enjoyed. It's faith in Jesus that means that we can know the blessing of forgiveness and peace with God, whatever our sins might be. Because Jesus bore our penalty, even the, the darkest, most shameful moments of our lives are not beyond the reach of God's grace. It's faith in Jesus, God's promised King, which allows us to have complete confidence that His promise of a land will be ultimately fulfilled in His eternal kingdom. A kingdom where there will be no more sorrow, no more suffering, and no more sin. And it's as we look forward with confidence in Christ to that glorious day that we can live lives of, of joyful obedience, whatever the cost, 
knowing that the God of Abraham is our God and his promises are sure. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this picture of your grace. It's so wonderful to, to think that nobody is beyond the reach of your gracious hand. That there is no darkness, there is no sin that, that cannot be forgiven. And we thank you for the way in which you have fulfilled those promises to Abraham in Jesus. That through faith in the Lord Jesus, we can know what it is to enter into that special covenant relationship with you. Lord, not because we've earned it, not because we deserve it, but because of everything that he has done. So Lord, we pray that you would uh, remind us of your goodness and grace, that we would rest in Jesus, that we would see that it's not the strength of our faith, but who that faith is in that matters. We pray, Lord God, as we come to this table now to take bread and wine, uh, that you would uh, remind us again of that sacrifice that Jesus made, of the, the cross that he was willing to bear, that we might be forgiven, that we would be uh, encouraged and, uh, and built up as we, as we remember that now. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.